Hate Speech and Platform Regulation, a workshop series by the ITM Münster. Today, Jakob Mishingama on international human rights law and online free speech as a South African model. So yeah, thank you very much for for inviting me and and for uh, bringing me abroad ab- uh, this <laughs> on board this this project. I I think I got the invitation in early May and uh, with uh, w- with a deadline looming uh, shortly uh, thereafter. Uh, so uh, it's it's been a bit of a rush, but I'm, I'm delighted to participate. My name is is Jakob Mishingama. I'm the uh, executive director of a think tank called Justitia, based in Copenhagen, and I also run our project on the future uh, of free speech. Uh, and I'm trying to sort of uh, sum up a, uh, an, an article uh, that um, I've, I've drafted with, with a colleague uh, of mine where we look um, um, both at, at um, the, the problem of hate speech uh, online uh, and, and whether it particularly whether human rights can be international human rights law can serve uh, as a model for for online platform uh, regulation, and specifically how to go about it when when it comes to to uh, to hate speech, where we uh, argue that the intersection between Article 19 and 20 ICCPR is is a is a promising speech robustive one, at least uh, as interpreted uh, in recent years after General Comment 34, but that the paucity of 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 case law makes it. Uh, difficult always to use in concrete cases. And so we asked, uh, where can we find inspiration? And we've done sort of a comparative analysis between the European Court of Human Rights uh, and uh, the South African Constitutional Court and so the Supreme Court of Appeal. And now that James is here, I want to run away because uh, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, our interpretations of the South African case law will be uh, will be shredded, but uh, I'm going to go ahead uh, and, 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 uh, and present anyways. So um, my my PowerPoint presentation is way too long, but so we, we all know that that internet freedom, <coughs> along with freedom of expression, for more than a decade has been uh, in decline uh, globally under a, a what some call a third wave of uh, authoritization, um, and what is uh, and of course one of the uh, the, the drivers of this uh, is intermediary liability laws. Where you could say Germans, Germany's Netz DG was sort of uh, the blueprint uh, used uh, and, and, and a first mover that has, uh, according to to, a, to two surveys that we've done, been been um, uh, sort of copy pasted uh, by at least uh, 25 countries around the world. Many of them, including uh, Russia, Venezuela, and others, explicitly reference Netz DG, although of course. Uh, their versions uh, of, uh, of, of their laws uh, do not include the same free speech protections, the same rule of law, um, checks and balances, and so on. So, so they're basically a, a bad faith effort of copying a, a German good faith uh, effort. But, but nonetheless, we, we, we think it's uh, quite relevant to, to point this out because it provides a facade of legitimacy to some of these uh, laws. It's also interesting to see the, the possible effect of, of this development on on platforms, um, um, here we see Facebook's uh, removal rates when it comes to hate speech from just around when, when NetGG was uh, adopted and up until now. So we see an exponential rise. Now, I'm not saying that this is solely due to, to, uh, to NetGG, but certainly when we interview, we've interviewed eight or 10 uh, platforms, it's, it's certainly part 
uh, of the uh, of the equation, uh, this move to basically expand the, the the terms of service community standards definition of categories like hate speech to ensure that they're on the safe side, which also means that uh, when you look at the, the the assessment of the of of, of the pure net DG, that might not give the whole picture because most most uh, offending content is removed uh, pursuant to terms of service rather than, than under the NetsDG uh, process uh, proper. So the question is, can, can international human rights law serve as a framework of first reference uh, when we look at, at hate speech? And you're all aware uh, of, the, of the 2018 Special Rapporteur uh, Report. Uh, of course, there, 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 there's, there are certain challenges. Of course, one, one when, when governments adopt intermediary liability laws, they obviously have to observe international human rights standards, at least if they've, uh, if they've ratified uh, ICCPR or other relevant uh, conventions. Uh, at the platform level, uh, it becomes much more uh, complex since uh, international human rights law is not directly uh, binding. And, and, and I certainly would not uh, suggest that an international uh, human rights law approach is a quick fix or, or one that can be sort of uh, copy pasted uh, onto, it should be adapted uh, rather than, 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 than copied wholesale. But if we accept that international human rights law can play a, uh, a, um, a, a role, then, um, then uh, as I mentioned uh, initially, um, Article uh, ICCPR is, is is the natural uh, uh, focus point, and 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 there, um, the the question of hate speech is of course regulated in the interplay between Article 19 and and Article uh, and Article 20, and and I would argue that since the, uh, General Comment 34 from from 2011, there's been a move towards a more speech protective interpretation of the interplay between free speech uh, and hate speech, culminating with the uh, Rabat Plan of Action. Uh, which has been subsequently referred to in a number of, uh, of documents. Um, uh, there are six sort of um, elements in, in the Rabat Plan of Action when, when determining what constitutes hate speech, the context of the statement, the speaker's position, intent, content, extent, and, and perhaps most uh, importantly, the likelihood of harm, including uh, imminence. Um, and we have uh, also the, uh, the, the Human Rights Committee's case from, from 2016 in Mohammed Rabah versus the Netherlands, uh, which suggests a quite a, a, a speech protective standard and a, and a narrow understanding of, uh, of, of, uh, of, article, uh, of Article 20, especially when you look at the concurring individual opinions of, of, of Sarah Cleveland and, and Mr. Politi, where they, they specifically warn against the dangers of, um, of, of very broad interpretations of hate speech and that uh, Article 20 is narrowly circumscribed. Um, so, so this is, is a useful starting point, but given the lack of, of, uh, of, of, of case law uh, and, and the paucity of human rights committee cases, um, we, we, you know, Article 20 and, and 19 are still difficult to, uh, to use in, in concrete cases. Uh, and, and, and therefore, you know, where can we look to inspiration? And the obvious case for many would say would be the European Convention and the, and the case law of the European Court of Human Rights, because no other uh, uh, human rights court has um, um, delivered more cases uh, relating to, to, to this uh, area than, 
than the, the European Court of, uh, of Human Rights. Um, the problem with that, at least from, from my perspective, is that the European uh, Court's uh, case law is very inconsistent and incoherent. Uh, it's also not very speech uh, protective. Uh, it's much more, uh, one could say, a German model than, than, a, than a Danish model, uh, if we look sort of within, within Europe between competing speech uh, traditions. So we did a study looking at 60 hate speech cases uh, at the Strasbourg system between 1979 and, and 2020. And we, uh, we found that, uh, um, that, that free speech restrictions have been upheld uh, in, uh, in, in, um, in, most of, in, in most of the cases. Um, so, so generally a, a quite low threshold. Now, <clears throat> the other uh, that model that we've looked at is South Africa's. And, and why, why South Africa? Well, because South Africa is a, a relatively new democracy, which uh, more, perhaps more than any other democracy at the moment has to grapple with uh, how, to, uh, how to reconcile freedom of expression with equality and dignity. And that uh, is reflected specifically uh, in, 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 in Article 1620 uh, of the Constitution, but also because the South African Constitution is very open to uh, international human rights law. Uh, so, so, so and, 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 and lots of cases specifically refer both to the ICCPR and, and, and the European Convention. So, so in, in the following, I will try to, um, to, to, to look at, at various categories of, of hate speech. Um, um, one, one, one category is that of which we may call homophobic speech. And I'll, I've used the, the, the European Convention case of Vidaland uh, versus Sweden, uh, in which uh, um, people went to a high school and handed out uh, sort of homophobic uh, flyers. Uh, and um, the, the court um, did sort of basically interpreted hate speech as including um, uh, insulting and holding up to uh, ridicule specific groups of the uh, uh, population, which can be sufficient for the authorities to favor combating hate speech um, through uh, through uh, criminal law, basically. Um, uh, and this we can we can contrast with uh, uh, with the South African case of uh, of, of Quilane, which is which is pending before the the, the constitutional uh, court. Um, and here uh, you see uh, um, a, a, a much more, I would say, um, um, that, that the South African top courts, at least, uh, the, the, the picture is, is more modeled when you look at, at lower courts, but, but one that is very apprehensive uh, about uh, restrict, accepting restrictions uh, on, on free speech, even when it comes to, to speech that most um, people who are Sort of democratically minded and in favor of equality would agree is appalling uh, and offensive uh, to, to, to various uh, groups. And you also see so I've, I've, um, an interesting difference between South African courts and, and the European Court of Human Rights in that the European Court of Human Rights uses history, the European history, as an argument for speech restrictions. So basically the totalitarian uh, the totalitarian nightmare of, uh, of, of Europe, in particularly Nazism, is an argument for restricting uh, free speech, whereas South African courts very often use uh, the apartheid era as a, as, as a reason to warn uh, against uh, free speech restrictions because censorship and repression was such an integral part of, uh, of, uh, of, of, apartheid, um, of, the, of the apartheid rule.
Um, and here, so in, in Kulani, we see that um, the, the harm um, is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is important uh, for, for, the, uh, for, for, for the court. And, and, and basically here, the, the court said that the, the, the homophobic statements in, uh, in question were protected by, uh, by, by free speech in the, in the South African constitution. And then comes a, a subject which, uh, uh, of course, is very touchy in, in Germany, the, the issue of uh, Holocaust denial, which is banned in a number of, of European countries and where the European Court of Human Rights has consistently uh, said that such, um, such uh, denial of established, clearly established historical facts um, are not uh, protected. Uh, because basically, and I think this is right, that uh, in, everyone who engages in in, uh, in in Holocaust denial is basically uh, a very thin veneer of of, of engaging in uh, in, in anti-Semitism and, uh, and and Nazi uh, apolo uh, apologetics. Um, so in our analysis, we found uh, that, um, that that Article 17, the abuse clause, is is used very often in these cases. Uh, and 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 uh, and therefore, um, Holocaust denial falls uh, entirely outside uh, Article Ten. Um, we can um, we can then again contrast this with the uh, Islamic unity uh, case uh, from 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 South Africa, um, where, um, where where once again uh, the court uh, basically dealt with uh, both uh, Holocaust denial and and sort of anti-Semitic uh, comments. Um, and uh, the court uh, explained that not every exp expression of speech that is likely to prejudice relations between sections of the population would be propaganda for war or incitement of criminal violence or advocacy of hatred, which also constitutes incitement to cause harm. So again, we see a higher threshold um, when it comes to, to, uh, to, to free speech. It, 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 it seems to take more for the South African courts to be persuaded that offending speech uh, can be legitimately uh, restricted. Uh, the last case I'll use is the Ferret versus Belgium case, uh, dealing with an Islamophobic uh, Belgian politician who was who was banned for ten years for running for public uh, office. Again, we see the the European Court of Human Rights using uh, insults, uh, ridicule, uh, saying that that insults, ridicule, or defamation uh, is, is is against groups. Is sufficient uh, to to uh, to crack down on on uh, on, on hate speech. So a, a relatively broad interpretation, um, um, and and um, in we can contrast this with the Masuku, another uh, from 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 the South African um, uh, court system, where the court underlined that speech uh, that may be hurtful of people's feelings or wounding, distasteful, politically inflammatory, or downright offensive does not necessarily exclude it uh, from uh, protection. Um, the last case I'll, I'll, I'll use is uh, the economic freedom fighters, so a very recent constitutional uh, court uh, case from, from South, South Africa, where the, um, um, where, which dealt not with, with, uh, with hate speech, but with incitement, but where, again, we see um, uh, an interpretation of extreme speech uh, which 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 varies, I would argue, um, substantially from the European Court of Human Rights. It's basically saying when citizens are very angry or frustrated, free speech serves as the virtual exhaust pipe through which even the most venomous of toxicities within may be let out to help them calm down, heal, focus, and move on. 
Um, and, um, and, and, um, and, and again, we also see an in, uh, invoking the, uh, the past, the, the South, South uh, apartheid uh, past as an argument for, for a more speech uh, robust uh, protection. Um, so, so in conclusion, um, I would say that, um, especially at the global uh, level where there are such huge uh, disagreements about what, what speech is offensive, what speech is, uh, should constitute uh, hate speech, a, um, an, an Article 20, uh, an ICCPR approach um, inspired by, uh, by, by, um, by the South African model would be one uh, which I think could uh, serve as a bulwark against the abuse of, uh, of, of hate speech uh, to, uh, to severely curtail um, dissent uh, and, and communication on platforms and one that uh, should be looked into both by, by the Human Rights Committee when it, it develops its standards, but also by the platforms uh, themselves to, to find a more coherent uh, and speech protective approach to the, uh, the, the question of hate speech. Thank you very much. That was Jacob Mishangama on international human rights law and online free speech as a South African model. You've listened to Hate Speech and Platform Regulation, a workshop series by the ITM Münster.